Good morning, everybody. If you would, um, please open up your Bibles uh, or go on your Bible app or uh, the Bibles that we gave out last week to Matthew 6, verse 26. That's where we're going to be. It should have the title, something along the lines of, of don't be anxious or anxious will be in the title somewhere. Um, but if you did not get one, uh, last week we, we offered the Gospel of Matthew. It's like a little tiny book. It has uh, some note sides on one of the sides. Um, all you guys took most of them. Um, next, we ordered more, but they didn't come in in time, of course. Uh, so next week we will have uh, more for you. If you did not get one last week or if you want one of those uh, to take notes, uh, that's, that's very good. Um, just a quick story, um, and then we'll talk about anxiety, so it'll be good. Uh, but I have, I have 100 re- reasons why um, you should read your Bible, like a physical Bible, like, like a one that you can tangibly see. Um, me, my, me and my wife were talking. Um, when I get up in the morning, uh, I, I like to read the Bible. I like to get on, on my phone and, and read the Bible, and what I realized um, was when I was with my kids and I'm on my phone reading the Bible, they don't see that I'm reading the Bible. They just think I'm lo- looking at my funny videos or, or something, and they keep looking at it, and they realize, oh, Rob, my dad's just reading words, uh, and they're not funny videos, so they don't like, they're like, oh, whatever, and then they, they go away. And I, and I realize that if I, if I want um, my kids um, to follow in line with us and desire to do what, what dad does or what mom does, that I need to maybe have the physical Bible that they actually uh, look at that. And it's like the ultimate trump card of like, my kids, I hope my kids one day say, I'm going to go read my Bible. And I'll be like, yes, please. And just like cry as, as they do that, I, I hope. Um, and, I, and I hope it stirs a, a bunch of conversations with my kids about the actual Bible. Why do we read it? Why do we carry it around? Why does, uh, why does dad uh, preach from it on the stage? And I, I hope that um, comes in your family. And I'll give another reason next week. I, uh, maybe it'll be funny. But I got a hundred of these things on why we should read uh, our physical Bibles. Um, but anyways, on to anxiety. You guys ready? So in Matthew 6, this is what it starts out with. Matthew 6, uh, verse uh, 25. I said 26. It's 25, I'm sorry. Um, 25, this is what it says. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not, is knife, whoa, is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you not more than value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life span? And why are you, are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow will be thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. I heard an old uh, preacher story when I was young uh, about a man who was teaching his daughter how to drive, 
And uh, this is something that, that all fathers will have to do, is to teach their kids how to drive. And this daughter was a little bit more anxious than, than most kids, I guess. And as they were driving down the road, uh, a squirrel kind of goes in front of the car, and she slams on the brakes, and the father's like hands hit the dash. And of course, the father t- turns and immediately snaps at the driver that's driving a two-ton vehicle, which is always smart, and says, what are you doing? And the daughter says, well, there was an animal, and I don't want to squish it. I don't want to kill it. And the dad uh, realizes what happens and says, look, the next time an animal goes in front of your car, it's better for you to go through the animal than to cause an accident with a bunch of vehicles that are behind you. It's a really scary thing, but that's what you're supposed to do. So the the daughter goes through all of her training, goes through all the classes, does the school thing that they're supposed to do where they sit in class for four hours and and learn about all the dangers of driving. And then she gets gets the part where she can drive by herself. And the parents were were really proud of of their daughter and they hand over the keys and the daughter goes, okay, I'm going to go see my friend. A couple hours later, they realize the daughter said, I'm coming home and they hadn't heard from her for a while. And then they got a phone call from from the authorities, from the cops, that said, hey, your daughter was just in an accident. Um, We need you to come and see and and come and talk to her. So the dad, of course, does everything, throws on some clothes, gets in his his other vehicle, drives to where the accident is, and his daughter's on the side of the road just crying in fear because she just got in an accident. The the car is off the road into the bushes, kind of nicked a tree, but not over amount of damage, but the car was off the road. And the dad's like, what happened? What in the world happened? She goes, well, I was driving and a squirrel came in front of my car and I just remembered you said to hit the squirrel. So the squirrel goes off the side of the road and I follow the squirrel trying to kill the squirrel. And the, do- the dad, of course, just gives a, the, a big old hug to his daughter and says, he, I did say that, and then explains. But you know, sometimes in life, we, we get fixated on the wrong things, don't we? We, we follow them, and, and we think that, man, this is going br- to bring life. This is the way I'm supposed to go. But in reality, uh, just like this daughter, it brings discomfort. It brings probably anxiety or fear in our life, and it doesn't allow us to live life to the full. If you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus said that you can't serve two masters, that you you either love one or hate the other, or you love and and you kind of go away from the other. So if you gather all of these stuff, all this stuff, if you store up things for your life, um, that basically you're gonna spend your entire life making sure nothing breaks, you know, nothing goes bad. So to, to, to counteract that, Jesus says, instead of focusing to build up things for your life, to store up your own treasures, to build up your own life, to this desire to consume, what he says is, why don't you store up treasures in heaven? Why don't you serve other people? And we talked about that service actually takes the place in your mind for things to consume, and Jesus knew that. So today, Jesus is continuing that conversation. We're, we're, we're continuing that, but he, he gets a little bit more personal with these people. Not just to remove the desire to receive and, 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 and replace that with good works, but he actually gets down to, into the nitty-gritty of about what they are actually anxious about. And he, says, and he starts off with that. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you put on, is life 
more than food? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? A little bit of background. If you remember, we are in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been on the Sermon on the Mount for like eight months, so we need to remember the context of this. But if you remember, Jesus is at the top of the Galilee area, and, he, and he's, he's on what we have the picture of like a mountain. There's the, the image was up there, and there's like people around him. But the people that are surrounding him in this area are kind of the poorest of the poor in uh, all of that nation. Uh, they are tradespeople, they're fishermen, uh, they build things for life, and what, whatever people buy from them is their income. And the other issue with this area is they are close to the Roman area, and it's kind of like this like, neutralized war zone where they are not in control of their own nation where people are coming in and they're, they're not only taxed by their own government, but they're taxed by this outside government. And it, it was said that they were taxed up to 70% of their income. And they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to make it through. So you have this entire crowd listening to Jesus that, that have this desire to get out of poverty. They want to be rich. They want to be wealthy. Um, but in reality, they're just trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to wear? How am I going to provide for my family? Where am I going to find food and water? And Jesus looks at them and says, don't be anxious. And they're probably like, okay, Jesus, whatever. I'm being taxed 70% of my income. How can I not be anxious? I don't know where my food is going to come next. But what we need to understand is Jesus, what he is not doing here is he's not negating the necessities of life which he's talking about here, shelter, food, clothing, the necessities in life, but he wants them to understand that there is more to life, that you will receive more life, and there is more to life than your worries. There is something right here, right now, that you can experience, and it is your good and faithful Father who loves you. So what Jesus does, he paints this entire, entire picture and trying to convince them of something where he says, you know, look at the birds of the air. Do they neither sow nor reap, nor, but they don't gather into barns, but your father feeds them freely. Are, are you not more valuable than the birds? In which by you it says, how are you gonna, are you gonna add a single hour to your life by being anxious or being worried? No, that does not happen. He talks about the lilies of the field and the grass, how they kind of just exist, and yet God still takes care of them. Even though we go through with our mowers and stuff and cut everything down for what they would use the top of the grass for was to start fires. Even though we go and we cut all that down to start our own fires, does God not continue to clothe them and allow them to grow? He says, ye of you, why are you have such little faith? And he says it again, therefore, don't be anxious. God cares about you. And when you read through all of this, this scripture that's on, that we can put back on the screen, we realize that we have these exact conversations with the people that we love, don't we? When people are going through really hard times in their life, when someone comes to you and shares what's going on in their life, maybe it's a job situation, maybe, maybe things aren't going well, maybe their self-worth is starting to deplete in their life, and they have this feeling of discouragement. Uh, basically, nothing's going on right in their life. And, and they start to feel really bad and negative thoughts towards themselves. And they start making excuses in their life for what's going on. And as friends, whenever this happens to us, whenever we see our, our friends in need, we instantly try to like, interrupt them and jump them and start to like, hype them up, don't we? 
We're like, we're like, look, like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Stop saying those things about yourself. You got this. You can do it. And, you, and then we start pointing out all their accomplishments, don't we? We start like, man, you have a good job. The reason you got this job is because you're qualified. You are good. Look at the things that you've done. Or you say, we say things like, you know, next time will be different. Just keep going. Just keep going. And then we fi- always end with, and we are here for you because we believe in you. We love you. But if you put the scripture back up there, what Jesus is doing is he's doing the exact same thing. He's going through these people and what they care about, and he's picking them out one at a time. And he starts, he goes, man, look at the birds of the air. They don't even work, and God feeds them. Doesn't God care more about you than the birds? And he goes on to say, look at the grass. The grass just literally exists, and God allows it to grow. We cut it down, and God still allows the grass to grow. Don't you think God is going to clothe you and take care of you? And then he says, look at all of these people that you're frustrated with. Look at the Gentiles, the non-believing people. Look at the Roman rule of their coming in and trying to consume all of those things. What they are consumed of, the people that don't believe in God, is they think about these things. They let, them, they let it consume them. They let it consume them so much that they start freaking out about it that they will do anything to make sure they have enough food, enough clothing, enough water, because they just start engulfing everything that is in front of them. But he says, your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows the things that you need. He's pointing out that if, they only, if you only worry about your personal needs, if you only worry about taking care of yourself, if you only make sure that you have enough money You only make sure that your stuff is good, making sure you have the new clothes, the new stuff, all the food that are have, and you just worry about those things all the time, then you're gonna miss it. You're going to be so worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow that you're gonna miss the blessing that is right in front of you today. So Jesus gives them a promise. And if you have your Bible or you have your phone, make sure that you underline all of the promises of Jesus. They are so important. Write it down, write promise next to it, whatever you need to do, this is important. In verse 33, he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things, all the things you worry about, all the things, they will be added to you. Disciples are to seek as their first priority. Not the things they would like to have or even things that they are sure that they need, but God's kingdom and his righteousness. First does does not mean like first, like the first thing, the first in time, but it is the most important, the first of importance you're supposed to do. The kingdom is not one among many competing aims for the disciples, but it is the thing that comes first in their life. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which we are still in, is sharing that his new kingdom is good. That his new kingdom, that if you enter in, you become a disciple of Jesus, you follow him, and you reorient your entire life around it, all your worry and anxiety will fall to a wayside because our king, our Messiah, our Lord, he is good. He's not just gonna let you fend for yourself out there, but he is good. He is good. See, one of the many hats that um, us ministers get to, get to wear is a counseling hat. 
We have people um, that need counseling. They, they feel like they're at the end of the road. They don't know what they're supposed to, to do next. They feel like they have no options. Uh, so most of the time, they, they end up calling one of us on staff, and they kind of share that there's this fear and anxiety that's starting to take over their life. And I'm not knocking uh, anyone who goes to counseling. Um, many times in life, many, even in my life, when something is going wrong, we need somebody else to point out the truth that we just cannot see, and that's what counseling is. So many people come to me with fear and anxiety, and most of their, their story is summed up by they're, they're scared of something that is supposed to happen, um, they, they're, they're worried, or something that hasn't happened yet, and they start creating scenarios in their mind of things that could happen or might not happen, and most of the time, the scenarios in our mind actually go to the negative side and not the positive side in our life, and they, and they don't know what is true and what's a lie in their life at this point. They get so deep into this fear and anxiety that they can't actually point out what's true and what's beneficial in their life or what's a lie in their life and they don't know which direction to go. But if you look into the deeper parts of that, not the surface level issue that's kind of brought up all of this anxiety, but if you go to the root of the issue, the issue falls where that person doesn't believe God in a place where God has promised something or has made a character declaration on them. They either don't believe in what God has promised or what has promised about them. And for whatever reason, they're running from that. And when they run from the promises of God and they try to take on the things of this world that God has already promised, they try to take on the world by themselves, that's when that fear and anxiety comes up in your life because you're putting yourself in a situ situation that you're not supposed to be in in the first place at all. So when Jesus says all of these things will be given to you, where these things are the things Gentiles worry about, they will come, they as disciples need to come to a place where they are trusting God and then there will be no need for anxiety in their life. And what I've done there is I've kind of made uh, it seem like it's so much easier than, than actual done. I made it sound like, you know, you just need to believe in God and all your things will, will kind of fade away. But what, what I've realized over our life and talking with a lot of people, that it just doesn't just happen overnight. And it takes a long time to get those promises of God and what God says about that into our bones like into the like deepest desire of our soul. And it takes a long time of being faithful. It takes a long time of putting, putting those promises into practice. It takes what, what Jesus talks about, participation in the gospel, where you can't just sit back, but you actually have to actively be a part of it to get whatever God says into your existence. I find it so interesting that we're told on a daily basis that it's almost, we are, what we are told on a daily basis is almost the complete opposite of what Jesus is trying to show us in our life. But what, what the world tells us and what, what, the, what everybody tells us we're supposed to do is so close to what Jesus says that often people fall into that temptation or fall into that way instead of practicing what Jesus says. It's interesting that in God's kingdom, the kingdom at which God's ways are followed Making the interests, making your interests God's interests, and putting that is, is how you actually receive your ultimate reward. But where everybody else in the world says you need to just focus on yourself, like you need to stop doing everybody else, and you just need to focus on myself now, 
But if you focus too much on yourself, what you will live a life of is something that is just a roller coaster of emotions, where if something good happens in your life by chance, you will have the highest of highs and you will feel so connected to God and so connected to the people around you. But if one negative thing happens in your life, you will plummet to the depths and feel just absolutely terrible about yourself. It's interesting that when you remove the focus of yourself, the things that we're trying to speak into existence by our own will, but if we place our thoughts on our creator and follow him, all those things that we're trying to work towards to fix ourselves are just given to you at the very end. If we focus on building our own kingdom, getting all of our stuff, which we talked about last, last week, collecting all of our things, getting a bigger house, bigger cars, bigger bank account, to continue to feel good about ourselves, but if we do the good works of Jesus, which we talked about last week, if we, if we, if we practice putting treasures in heaven, as, as Jesus said, then the same desire and same feeling that you have of building yourself up and, and buying things will actually just be given to you at the end when you put up treasures in heaven. Science even, even shows that whenever we, we scan our brains, whenever we do good works, it's the same feeling that we have whenever we buy something. I find it interesting that the world tells us that we need to hustle, we need to put our head down, and we need to grind it out, and, and, and at the end, uh, it will all come together at the end, but in reality, we lose sleep, we work more, and we feel like we have less and less time to do anything, even though we spend all of our time trying to accomplish something. But if you eliminate hurry from your life and you implement a day of rest and Sabbath of your life, it's weird that when you remove one day and you work six days, you accomplish the exact same amount of stuff and maybe even more. It's interesting when, when, the, world, when the world says that you need to fast, what they do is they do it to lose weight or remove toxins in your life. But if you partner with the Holy Spirit and fast, it will bring up a new desire in your life not to rely on the things of the world, but you'll have a whole new understanding and connection with God that all you need in your life is sufficient enough and, and fullness of life is to follow Jesus. All of the desires that we have in our life the way of Jesus will fulfill all of those things. But we realize that sometimes we focus on the wrong thing, don't we? I love this quote from Dallas Willard. He, he believes in this so much. He said, there is no problem in human life that discipleship to Jesus cannot solve. In the Gospel of John, this is what Jesus said. In John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you look at the beginning of that, of that verse, it says, I am the way. Another translation that, you could, that is more literal is, is, I am the path. And in the language that you see uh, of the original Greek is more of like a path that has these deep grooves in it that leads to Jesus. Come almost like a, like, a, like a horse carriage tracks or something like that where your whole life is on, in, this, in this carriage and you're bringing your whole life towards Jesus. So it's not just you just need to jump on there, but it's no, you need to take your entire life and dig it into the grooves that is the path of Jesus so that you cannot get off of it and have fear and anxiety in your life. But Jesus looks at all this and says, you have access to that now. You don't have to wait. And Jesus is no stranger to life. 
He was a human. He lived on this life, and he understands just like all that stuff happens. Stuff will happen in the future. Something might happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. So Jesus says this to end this teaching in Matthew 6, 34. To end this, he says this, Therefore, therefore, because God loves you, therefore, because God clothes you, Therefore, because we have a good God. Therefore, because God is going to take care of all your needs. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus understands that unless something big happens in your life, which doesn't happen often, a test, a doctor's visit that you have to do today, hard conversations that you have to do today, things that you don't want to do today, etc. Most of the time what we're worried about is tomorrow or the next day or the next week, maybe even six months from now or a year from now of what might happen. Studies show that 80% of the things that we worry about never happen. 80% of, of the scenarios that come in our mind, it might even be higher than that for some of us if we come up with a lot of scenarios. If we spend a lot of time alone and we come up with a lot of scenarios, 80% of them never happen. Never even get close to happening. Sometimes in our life, I love what Lisa said in, in, this, in the song that we did before, is sometimes we just need to stop and realize that we need to say thank you. That God has been blessing us from the very beginning that God has been with us from the very beginning, that when you put your faith in him and you practice the ways that he says, when he, when he, when he talks about storing up things in heaven, to not just focus on yourself, not just consume for yourself, not worry about like where am I gonna get my meal or my food or my clothes, but, but God's gonna take care of all those things and you just focus on today and you don't worry about tomorrow, you will realize that your life is far different what I used to tell um, some of my students that were addicted to their phone and all of a sudden fear and anxiety would come in their life because they were uh, scrolling on, on Instagram and, and TikTok and uh, Twitter and looking up and, and every single time something happened around the world or we're in the news, we're in a election season, so might happen in the world is just immediately being fed to them on their phone. Nothing that is happening current day, but it's, they're just being fed with things that might happen. They realize that all of this fear and anxiety is coming in their life. And I tell them, if you just remove the phone for 24 hours and you go outside and you sit outside for 30 minutes, you'll realize that the life that your phone and the world is telling you that is happening isn't actually happening in front of you. That when God says, don't be anxious about anything, he, he's right. That all of us have the ability to just exit our house and smell the fresh air. It's cold today, cold air. And nothing happens. Nothing. You can take 10 steps from the place that you're at and still nothing would happen. Some of you guys can walk on the other side of your neighborhood and not talk to a single person. Nothing happens. Because you don't have to be anxious. If you just focus on the right now, God is good. But if you try to take a hold of things for yourself and you try to focus on things tomorrow and start trying to will things in, into existence for tomorrow, then you're going to miss the blessing that is right now. Sometimes we just need to focus on the promises of God and not the promises that we make ourselves.
Because every time that we focus on the promises of God, they happen every single time. I had a conversation this past week with a minister friend of mine, and I, and I just kind of confessed that I was done trying to will things into my own existence because it's just exhausting. But if I just focus on what God says is going to happen, it happens every time. And I don't know why I don't believe it every single day. That when Jesus says something's going to happen, it just happens. It works. And, I, and it's frustrating because I want to will things in my life. I want to will things into existence. But God says he's already covered it. He's already promised it. So when you go through scripture and you see those promises of God, make sure you underline them because they happen every time. So God, as we finish just studying this section of scripture, anxiety is the number one thing in the forefront of our mind at all times. Studies show, and you already know this, but anxiety is the peak thing that the next generation is thinking about. They constantly want to figure out how to figure out mental health issues. They want to figure out how to fix all of the things in our life. We want to be not only so, uh, socially healthy, but we want our internals to be healthy as well. And God, I believe that if we just become disciples of you, all of our problems will be fixed because you're enough. God, whenever we go through times in our life and we start worrying about things that you say you already have taken care of, I pray that we go back to your promises and we believe them, that we go through with them, that we desire them, that we allow them to get into our innermost soul, into our bones, so whenever something pops up in our life, the first thing that comes up is the righteousness of God and the promises of Jesus because they happen every time. They work every time. You never let us down. You are always with us, and you love us. God, we worry about so many different things in our life, and, and Jesus is right that we worry about things, and God's like, how much more do we love you? How much more do I care about you than things that you worry about? How much more do I care about you than your car or your job or, or different issues of conversations or your house or your stuff? How much more do I care about you than your stuff? God, I pray that that goes into the forefront of our mind this week. That we're able to live, live differently and, and live life to the full and have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control because you say it's possible. God, I just want to say thank you. God, you are so good. And I ask this all in your son's name. Amen.